and welcome back to the FPL Land podcast. We're back to preview game week two as the season is still in its infancy. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by the Chelsea's transfer policy to my Arsenal's transfer policy. It's Andy Case. Andy, I guess that's a fair way. I mean, we, we were just talking off air about some of the really strange transfers Arsenal seem to seem to be making. And I was thinking of, you know, who's had a good good window and you've, you've got to put Chelsea in that bracket, surely. They must have had one of the better windows of, of other clubs. I'm sure your Man United will also come into it with, with Sancho and Varane. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, pff, Chelsea, Chelsea, I don't want to be like one of those guys because it's a pretty common thing that's thrown at Chelsea and City. But yeah, that is, you can have a good window when you're just chucking money around like, like Chelsea do, isn't it? Like 100, 100 mil on Lukaku. All right. Yeah. I mean, he's worth it. He's a, he's a good player, but it's not like they didn't just spend 70 on whatever it was on Werner last year and the 60 on Havertz as well. It's just, it gets a bit bonkers. And yeah, I know United have, have, have spent a bit of money as well, but I would say um, Sancho at 70 and Varane at 34 is are just like unbelievable deals. Like that is your, you, that is value. It's just out and out value there. Um, so, and, and yeah, obviously they don't, they, they don't and can't do that every, every summer. So um, yeah, I think I, I guess that doesn't make, that doesn't mean they don't have a good window though, does it? So I suppose to your point, still, yeah, Chelsea have filled probably one of their biggest holes in, in this transfer window, haven't they? Yeah, I guess so. And there seems to have not been loads and loads of transfer activity, I guess, but among some of the smaller teams, I guess Villa, Villa were fairly busy and did a lot of their business early. I know Ings was a little bit later, but you know they seem to be basically done but beyond that obviously Everton pretty un- underwhelming and a lot of other clubs you know Leicester haven't had major moves either although they kept hold of a lot of players which is um which is a fair you know a fair um a fair thing for them so so yeah it's been the, I guess a bit underwhelming maybe that's just a, a consequence of, of coronavirus and the pandemic and the lack of income for the last however many years beyond TV deals of course. Yeah, it's a bit of that. But also, I'd say, like, Leicester make signings that go under the radar a bit, right? Because they have signed that Sumare, who people were raving about in the Community Shield. They signed Dakar, didn't they? And I think combined, that takes them upwards of 50 mil that they've spent, which isn't as much as, obviously, Chelsea United. But but still, that's a reasonable chunk of money, considering they didn't get Champions League football to kind of offset some of it. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, Arsenal, 50 mil on Ben White and, uh, you know, reports of, of more. Was it 35, 40, whatever, for Odegaard coming up potentially as well? So that's not an insignificant amount of money from 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 them either so still still a little bit of it around but i suppose su- some going under the radar a bit more than the signings of the uh, sancho's and Lukaku's of the world i guess 25 million that leicester spend on you know samari or, or daca or whatever just feels like pennies now doesn't it when 70 odds is being banded around so regularly by by some of the big clubs but anyway i'm sure we could talk about transfers all all podcasts but we've got plenty to get through as we always do on our preview shows we'll start by running down some of the, the all of the game week two fixtures and have a quick chat about this week's talking points of which there are very few we're going to highlight some new players on the radar but also some that we touched on last week we'll be donning our trunks again to swim against the tide before we end as ever on our preview shows with captaincy and who the heck is stat so let's start by running down those all-important FPL fixtures. Your FPL deadline this week is 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. That's Saturday the 21st of August because we have a lunchtime kickoff Liverpool at home to Burnley. Then we've got a glut of three o'clocks, four I believe in total. Aston Villa hosts Newcastle, Crystal Palace hosts Brentford, Leeds play Everton and then Man City play Norwich. And the final Saturday game is a tea time game, Brighton versus Watford. Moving on to Sunday, we've got Southampton versus Man United, Wolves versus Spurs and the big London derby, Arsenal versus Chelsea. Will Will Lukaku be making his debut there or his his second or third maybe even debut there for Chelsea? Um, And then finally, Monday night football, West Ham versus Leicester. Absolutely. So I kind of alluded to it there, Andy, and we were talking off air. There doesn't seem to be loads of news around. It's a fairly kind of quiet week. But as I said to you, I feel like I'm just excited for for football and kind of excited for it to be back to normal you know having a flick through um, my FPL team this week I've been like well you know I've got several days to make a decision where it's, it didn't really feel like that for for vast waves of last year with you know with fixtures being played over the whole calendar week rather than just the game week I guess you know Tottenham managers maybe need to be a little bit aware of the team that they put out in the Europa Conference League but beyond that 
just looking at press conferences, seeing if some of the new signings or players that were in the Euros are going to be declared fit by managers and seeing if, there are any, if there's any late transfer news. But beyond that, it's, it's all pretty run-of-the-mill, isn't it? But I, for one, quite like that at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we didn't have to make any effort last season when, when we were discussing this part of the, of the podcast and what, what we talk about as the talking points, because there was so much going on with coronavirus and, and game weeks being condensed and, and whatever that there was always something happening. So it's nice just to have a bit of normalcy and, and three o'clock kickoffs and match of the day with most of the games on it. And yeah, just a fairly like relaxed, not non newsworthy week i mean obviously there's been a few more murmurings about harry kane and we did wonder whether there might be some progress and we still do wonder i guess whether there'll be any more between now and the, and the end of, of august but you know no, no, nothing significant really on, on on that front this week and so not really a lot to report other than just yeah listening to the usual kind of press conferences for team news before the deadline I mean, maybe we can just jump forward straight into, into the radar then, and perhaps Andy and two players that we did highlight last week as being kind of on our slightly longer term radar. But then that all of a sudden feels like it's almost on our doorstep with with, with two two uh, summer signings: Jaden Sancho at Manchester United and Romelu Lukaku of Chelsea. Obviously, very um, or fairly pricey. I think Sancho would, would would creep into our premium midfielder cut off, um, and and obviously Romelu Lukaku definitely. A premium forward we now know that he's priced at 11 and a half million and I think we touched on it on our game week one review show but you know, getting him into into teams is going to be quite difficult I imagine because you know FPL managers will have used up a lot of budget already and they're going to have to make make some make some moves to in order to get either of these players in potentially um I guess the reason that we're perhaps kind of putting these on the radar or keeping them on and give, having a bit more of a lengthy discussion about them this game week is that you know, Sancho obviously come off the bench in the first game week. Looks looks okay, but you know, he isn't gonna pull up any trees when you know Bruno Fernandez is getting three goals and Paul Pogba's getting four assists. He's not gonna get the headlines. But you would think that with Dan James starting in instead of him, um, it's only a matter of time before Jaden Sancho ends up getting a start for Man United, who were by all intents and purposes pretty free scoring in game week one. Chelsea too obviously put put you know put three past Palace and um and Thomas Tuchel has hinted that Romelu Lukaku will be available, is at least gonna play some part on on uh, against Arsenal on Sunday. So, you know, is it too early to be thinking about getting these players in our in, in teams now? Or do you kind of want to wait and see how they bed in? Again, I think you alluded to this uh in our FPL Lounge long weekend. You know, neither should really have the same problems assimilating to England that other foreign signings might might have so these two could really hit the ground running couldn't they and in which case FPL managers might be inclined to get on them early they they could and, and obviously you risk price rises potentially if you don't don't you like as we've seen with say even Bruno this week has, has had a price rise already if you didn't have him from the start of the season so yeah like uh, there is that danger but I suppose it depends on what type of manager you are and whether you're going to like you know a lot of these people I imagine that are creating these price moves right now will be people who probably won't be playing the game in five weeks time right um it's uh it 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 if I'm the type of person, I didn't realise this, but as we've been playing FPL more seriously, I guess I've realised, and I think you'd probably say you're similar to this, Chris. I, I, I probably can't be bold. I'm not bold enough to go and get Lukaku in my or Sancho in my team right now. I mean, for perhaps for slightly different reasons. The, the underlying reason for both is I am the type of person who I do want to see them, you know transfer that form from their previous team because I don't I, you know they both were very consistent for their previous team so I don't doubt their consistency but new environment new team you st- you still got to kind of settle in and whatever so one I want to see that and two I want to see the, the starts frankly like they both could make impacts off the bench but at their price tags you want them starting and um we we don't know exactly what the balance is of how match fit they both are quite yet. So I'd want to see them starting to become regular established first team players, which which I have no doubt that they both both will become. Uh, however, there's other people who play it differently. I want to get on like ahead of the ahead of the jump. Um, I could certainly see an argument for for Sancho at his price for if you being if you wanted to take that gamble, maybe there's more of a route to it with Lukaku. I feel like it's a it's whilst he's a great player still a little bit of a gamble until you know he's starting regularly just because you'll have to do a lot of surgery to your team a lot of your budget will be invested in Lukaku it will mean you're making sacrifices elsewhere and if he doesn't start you know 
what you're, you're making those sacrifices for kind of not really much gain potentially so that that's kind of the, the risk and how I kind of view things yeah I mean we might come on to this in, in a segment later a little bit but you know Lukaku is in the top five most transferred in players this week but then Kane is in is the top transferred out so I wonder if people are just making that straight switch you know Kane isn't traveling uh, with Spurs to Portugal again obviously didn't play last weekend so if anyone has taken that I guess leap on Harry Kane either in the hope that he starts for Spurs or that he's he sorts his move to Man City pretty early maybe they're just making that that, that move to Lukaku but other than that it is pretty difficult to to get him in because there aren't many premium price forwards that you can make that straight swap to and as you say Sancho could end up being a little bit easier and I just just finally before we move on to, to some other players I mean do you think that um you know I think again I think again you know we might be reluctant sometimes but and understandably so to double up on premium players from the same club therefore perhaps Sancho replacing Bruno might be an easier swap, whereas Lukaku is pretty difficult to get in. I mean, do you, after Bruno's hat trick at, at the weekend, do you see that that kind of Bruno to Sancho move being something that FPL managers consider? Because having both presumably isn't necessarily the wisest strategy unless they're both playing completely lights out. That's a, I mean, it's a very specific question. That I guess isn't it? Because one thing is, would you what would you risk getting Sancho in, whoever it's for? Two. For a specific player like that, like Bruno, I mean, just in and of himself, regardless of the fact that Sancho and Bruno play for the same team, you know, that Bruno performance was incredible. Um, and on so many levels, not just because he scored three goals, but because he was really getting forward. Um, and that makes him such an incredibly good, as we already knew, but, you know, perhaps arguably even better um, FPL prospect going forward. So regardless of whether it's for Sancho or not, I just think Bruno's so untouchable at the moment that you, you can't be thinking about getting him out, out of your team without, you know, some serious onions, as as we might say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, it's something that, a conversation that we had off, off, off air that we're probably going to have to cover, Andy, at some point, whether it's in game week three or, or, or maybe later, is going to be how to get these premium assets, if they're all firing into into your team, you know, we could really be choosing between, uh, you know, a Salah, a Bruno, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, who's potentially going to be going to be fit and starting this weekend. Um, you know, Sancho potentially Lukaku and maybe a Harry Kane if he joins if he joins Man City or ends up back in Tottenham's team again. So yeah, you know, trying to pick 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 between those and 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 get on those at the right time and take them out at the right time is going to be is going to be pretty tricky and it could end up being the key to, to many managers success this year uh, let's move on then to another two players that i guess that that will definitely have to adapt to the premier league as they're fairly untested at this level um in in, in the newly promoted team in, in brentford obviously ivan tony was a guy that was on our radar going into game week one um but his his forward partner uh, brian and buemo was not and andy when you watched uh, Brentford versus Arsenal. It was it was the Frenchman rather than the Englishman that impressed you, really, wasn't it? Well, yeah, impressed in it to a certain degree. I mean, it wasn't like he had loads of chances, particularly. Uh, and you tell me that his finishing traditionally, you know, over the course of the season in the Championship last year wasn't particularly great. However, what I liked about what I saw, I guess, was that he was the one with his fa- facing goal, right? It was Tony had his back to goal, was doing a lot of damage, disrupting the, that Arsenal defence. Um, and uh, Mbwemo was then kind of getting the chances when they came or having more of the ball in and around the box at his feet. So given that Mbwemo is is listed as a um, midfielder on the game and he was playing right up there, he was uh, arguably, I mean, he was further forward than Tony. So Brentford's furthest forward player at 5.5 million as a midfielder who would get five points for a goal if if he gets one. Yeah, just, just interesting on that level, really. Like I said, I haven't seen any decent finishing from him yet because he's barely had any chances so no not really chances of no not really fit a good finish to to back that up with but it's just one to get on my radar i guess on our radar a little bit at this point because if they continue with that formation and with that kind of system as well of of, of Mbwemo being the kind of furthest forward one then maybe that's quite a good enabler um going forward yeah, I think the fact that he's out of position as well potentially could could be could be really interesting. I mean, it's always a bit of a you get a bit of an edge if you do highlight out of position players that end up um, you know really benefiting from, from from playing out of position. In this case, in Buemo playing up front, I think yeah, I mean I I like him as a player and always have, but he you know he he did get half the goals in the championship last year than he did the year before when he obviously he was playing alongside Ollie Watkins and Saeed Ben Rama. I'm not sure if that's necessarily down to them, but but equally you know he sometimes he is pushed out 
on the wing, and and it is easy easy to remember with with well over a hundred career league appearances that he's still pretty young. I think he's only twenty two or twenty three. So so yeah, I think it will be interesting to see how he adapts at this level. But it is interesting if that's a tactical nugget that Brentford continue with and if Tony does have his back to goal more and it isn't Buemo running beyond or if that was just maybe to to, to bully Arsenal a little bit and it'll be interesting to, to see how they how they ended up carrying carrying that forward but yeah he is uh he had nine touches in the box compared to Tony's two in, in the first game week and, and if that's you know if he's going to continue getting that many touches in the box compared to a lot of forwards it was a, it was higher that nine than, than a lot of forwards in, in the game last week um then yeah he could end up being being a really good option there's still only five and a half million um Andy one guy that you wanted to wanted to mention uh, I think it was probably about this time last season that he first appeared on our radar as well is Dominic Calvert-Lewin I mean he is incredible in the box he is uh, that fox in the box that Thierry Henry coined all those all those years ago when uh, I think Arsenal in, inadvertently actually signed Francis Jeffers from Everton to be that fox in the box for Arsenal um but DCL is 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 you know a million times the player that Francis Jeffers ever was. Um, but he's going to get, if he's getting on the end of crosses, um, he could be a real asset for, for an Everton side that have a pretty, pretty soft, easy schedule, a uh, pretty soft early schedule rather. Yeah. Well, I mean, without wanting to create um, disquiet or um, a lack of harmony in your, in your, in your household, Chris, um, I will, I will reveal, I suppose that that fact about Everton's schedule was also true when we were preparing for the preview last week. However, um, Chris was particularly keen to not have any Everton players uh, on the radar. Really, I did with I think we did briefly mention them as a team there that had a decent fixture run. But um, him and and I, to be fair, just could not see where Everton's chances were going to come from, where their performances were going to come from. What we saw towards the back in the last season was really concerning, and their transfers weren't particularly inspiring either. However, what it's only one game week, so you know you shouldn't necessarily base decisions off that. And that's why I guess I'm probably not going for a DCL in my team yet. And rather just keeping an eye on him by putting him on the radar is that whilst all those things are still true and Everton could go and lay a stinker this week and we wouldn't be surprised. He was the the tactic. We've mentioned this on a, on a couple of the last recent shows. The tactic was very obvious from Everton to the point where Rafa's almost come out and said it outright that that is their plan. And as, so then on top of saying it, they then backed it up and shown it on the pitch. It's get the ball out wide and get crosses in from Gray, Richarlison, Awobi or um, Townsend, whoever they've got out there and get them in the box and get Richar- uh, get um, DCL on the end of it. He scored a lot of headers last season, despite the fact they weren't really putting balls in the box. Um, and, uh, you know, particularly often as, as a tactic. And when you've got someone like Dean as well, also flying down that left wing, who's obviously got a great delivery there's a high chance that DCL could get a lot more opportunities this, this season, ironically, um, despite it being a kind of seen as perhaps a, a less progressive tactic. So um, that's why he's on the radar. If, if Everton put, produce another performance like they did, um, you know, this week with, with lots of crosses coming in, um, when you, when you throw in the fact that they ha- do have that, that decent run coming up, then maybe the fact that they could, they could do a Michael Keane again and have an, uh, you know, as he did in this game, a terrible mistake to concede a goal. If you own DCL, that doesn't really worry you too much if they're going to put balls in the box at the other end when they go forward. Um, and ju- I guess just to, just to sort of let listeners know what, what exactly that run is. I mean, the next five games are Leeds, Brighton, Burnley, Villa, Norwich. That really is like pretty tasty looking. So, yeah, that's why he's on the radar. Yeah, and it's the Leeds team this week that without their, I think still without their best centre back in Diego Urente, uh, obviously you know didn't consider five last week, and uh, weren't looking too great at the back, all things considered. So yeah, it could be a real opportunity for someone like for someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Obviously, he is eight million. He's slightly more expensive than perhaps some of uh, some of the other kind of glut of seven and a half million pound forwards. But um, with that run, and if he if if this tactic continues to to work well for Everton, then he's going to be going to be more than worth it. Um, let's move on, Andy, to to two midfielders that are playing up front, playing out of position, at least for the time being. But there are question marks over their status in their teams long term. I'll let you start, Andy, with Mason Greenwood. I mean, I know that you are a huge fan of this guy and always have been uh, or have been ever since he really kind of burst onto the scene. Um, but playing through the middle for United and looked, at least in the first game, you know, again, I think I mentioned this earlier, but it will be Bruno and uh, and Paul Pogba that are going to take the headlines out, out of Man United's first game. But Greenwood quietly went about his his game pretty well uh, up front and 
And yeah, got a, got, got a return to cap it off. Seven and a half million as a midfielder playing up front for a team that looks pretty free, free scoring. It feels like a bit of a no-brainer. Well, potentially, yeah. I mean, he, the reason he was less so on our radar, I think, than someone like a Jota at the start of the season was because we'd seen it more consistently from Jota. We, he'd had plenty of returns. We were confident in, in his ability to play through the middle or wherever it was he was going to play. The trouble was with Greenwood, his better performances had come out wide uh, to this point for United. And where, whereas it seemed like he had quite a strong chance of playing as a number nine um, in this in this game week and in these first few game weeks with Cavani not there. So, um, you know, given that he hadn't really done it and hadn't scored goals playing in that number nine position much in previous performances, we're a little bit more unsure on whether that would be the case or whether he'd perhaps Solskjaer go with Martial through the middle. Um, so it was good, good to see Greenwood start and not just start play really, really well. Yeah, dragging defenders out of position um, and getting on, obviously, on the end of one and scoring himself. And, and the finish, I mean, the, re- the reason I guess I've always been a fan of him is just there's something... You just from the moment he came into the first team, there's just something about the way he moves with the ball and and his finishing is just it. He doesn't try and lash the the back out the ball. He's very very accurate. He his composure for someone so young, you know, without wanting to be patronising, but you just don't see that composure from many finishers, regardless of age, at that level in the Premier League. So to have developed that already, because some develop it at a later stage, but for him to have that and have it at that age. Is a very very promising sign going forward, and and the, the goal on Saturday, like Cavani doesn't score that. I don't think probably Marcus Rashford scores that. I think there's very few forwards. Uh, pretty much only Mason Greenwood in the Man United team, and and arguably in lots of other teams across the league, Mason Greenwood is the only person that scores it because you have to have the touch to take it. If he if he plays that ball, if he takes that ball anywhere else, if, it's he if he goes too wide, he won't get the opportunity to shoot. If he doesn't go across the defender at the exact angle that he does, he isn't going to get in front of the defender. If he doesn't make the touch the exact um, sort of weight that it is, he needs it to be strong enough to get past the defender, but not so strong that the keeper can come out and get it. And then he's sprinting, so he has to be quick enough to overtake the defender, keep the ball under control at full pace, and then, without breaking stride, arrow it into the bottom corner. There's so many aspects of that finish that could have gone wrong that he's executed to perfection um yeah elite and gonna be if he continues in that number nine because Cavani's still not back yet definitely one to watch out for at seven and a half mil yeah throwing the throwing the e word out there I mean I won't I wouldn't describe the next guy that we're going to talk about as as elite but it was a guy that did impress me in game week one and that's Ferran Torres I mean I this feels this feels odd Andy I think because I would have thought that if a city asset is priced at seven million and is playing out of position and started up front. Everyone would be jumping on them, and I'm not sure why they're not. And I think it is, as we may have discussed before, question marks over whether he's going to continue to start. But but Ferran Torres played pretty well against Tottenham. He, obviously, City weren't quite quite at their best, and and Torres was was you know, I think he had one of the highest um, expected goal involvements of, 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 a, of a midfielder over the weekend that didn't return other than perhaps Adama Traore. Um, but, you know, they played Tottenham. Tottenham defended very resolutely and City were with, without some of their better players, including Kevin De Bruyne, who's likely to be back, um, I would think, for Norwich. So he, he, he could quite easily get a hat-trick. And he did it towards the back end of last year, um, playing against some, some some lesser teams. If City are, are are on it, then Torres could 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 really kind of benefit. I think there was a little bit, um, there was a little bit about him that didn't quite execute his role perfectly, perhaps. And, and I think you know Tottenham sat pretty deep and got many men behind the ball. Norwich sometimes are a little bit more adventurous, and I'm not convinced that, that they'll do that. Maybe with a slightly higher line that he can get in behind. The one time he did get in behind, he drew, he drew a pretty decent save out of Lloris. So, so yeah, but I just think for his price, and if he's starting in that number nine position for, for Man City, that is, of course, a big if. But, uh, but if he does continue to, um, ahead of Gabriel Jesus and maybe even Raheem Sterling that could play there. I think it could end up being a being a no-brainer. Although I don't think after this game City have the easiest schedule going forward. Um, but but still, it's 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 not ridiculous. I think they've got Leicester and Arsenal. You know, two teams that that for a team of City's caliber are more than beatable. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of you you watched the, the Tottenham game closer than I did. So so in terms of his analysis of his role there, I, I'll have to, you know we'll go with what you said. I think that and on on. He's, it's that it's that big if that you mentioned, frankly, isn't it? it? It's 
will he start? There's murmurings that Gabriel Jesus is, is really not happy because he basically sees himself as the only real striker at the squad and he still couldn't start. Um, Torres was, was starting ahead of him. But when I guess when has Pep ever cared about that before? Um, and uh, if... If if Torres is to start, like, like everything you said, City Man City's number nine being seven million and getting five points rather than four for a goal, um, that that's potentially, yeah, a very very great opportunity to get. And, and yeah, like you say, he scored a hat trick against Newcastle. It's Norwich at home this week, so he could easily get plenty of chances. He he demonstrated against Tottenham that he had plenty of chances as as, as the XG there demonstrates, like, like you've mentioned. So um, yeah. I, it totally depends what type of FPL manager you are. This again, I think it's it's the are you willing to take the risk? I suppose of the of of that lack of start because if you are, whilst the Harry Kane saga goes on, if Torres is going to be that man at number nine, not only has he got a fantastic opportunity for some returns this week, but going forward, um, yeah, he until that 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 Kane signature's on the dotted line, he he could be your guy. You, you made one other point, which I think which is interesting. I don't think you made there, but you made to me off offline about if there if there's rumours about Gundogan this week and his and his injury. And despite the fact Torres plays as a forward in that kind of number nine position for City, obviously classified as a midfielder on the game. And so if you're looking to, if you're needing to, for whatever reason, we let's say we hear we get any kind of confirmation later in the week in press conferences that Gundogan is indeed kind of injured, and you 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 what you have to make a move or feel like you want to make a move. Then I guess there's quite. You made the point to me that there's quite a direct, you know, Man City midfielder to Man City midfielder um, move there that, that would that would of players that are a similar price. Yeah, absolutely. I think Gundogan is seven and a half million, so you could also make that make that Greenwood move or Jota if you don't have him, and he's a guy that you know, we're taking off the radar because you know he's 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 firmly in in, in Andy and I's teams at this point. But but yeah, I think I think if you want to go city to city, especially with this um with this Norwich fixture, then then yeah, I think Ferran Torres is absolutely the way to go rather than maybe you know spending an extra half million on someone like Jack Grealish who obviously did have a did have you know I think he was City's standout player against Tottenham but I think Torres playing out of position against against a team like Norwich just means that he, he could have an absolute field day um, I think the other sort of quick nugget worth mentioning is that Pep does have this this kind of like um habit perhaps of of, of players that he signs from abroad their second season sometimes is where they come alive it happened with um with Cancelo last year and it happened with uh, with Leroy Sané as well obviously these you know Torres is playing in a slightly different role um but but yeah you know they don't always hit the ground running they tend, tend to have a season under Pep where they're rotated in and out in, in in the Champions League against lesser teams and maybe in the League Cup and the FA Cup um, but then end up being being you know a, a big a big factor in the league and I do wonder if Ferran Torres um, you know, the same might apply to him him this time round. Andy, we'll finish our radar segment with uh, with one four and a half million midfield enabler that you're a big fan of, having seen him at the Euros and towards the back end of last year. He only played 18 minutes this week, but was the only four and a half million pound midfielder to return, and that's Jakob Moda of Brighton. Yeah, just a really brief one on him to say, I guess that he is definitely on my radar at the moment because of the fact he's four and a half million. I mentioned him very briefly in our in our long weekend season previews because of that fact as well, because he was four and a half million, because he'd caught our eye, like as you say, towards the end of last season and you know was in Poland's squad and I think he even got a goal at, at the Euros. So the fact that he then came off the bench and got an assist and I think must be knocking on on um, Graham Potter's door for a starting place now, particularly as he came on at right wing back and obviously um, their first choice right wing back Lamptey is injured at the moment. It seems like a no-brainer to give Moda a start in that position. He's always looked impactful when he's played for Brighton. Um, you know, he's a fairly new signing for them. And so therefore, as an FPL asset, even if he isn't completely guaranteed to start at four and a half million, potentially a great enabler given his, his threat off the bench. But if then he is to suddenly be starting that that's if you've got a guaranteed starter at four and a half mil as a midfielder, people that is more, that is more than you can ask for really. That's exactly just what you're, what you're looking for. But then if it's someone with the talent of, of and the excitement of a player like Moda as well, wow, that really is a great, great enabler because he could even chip chip in the odd goal and assist, which would be fantastic from your fifth midfielder. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the point, isn't it? I think uh, you know there are plenty of four and a half million midfielders that that, that do play every game. You know, I've got one in Josh Brownhill. I think you might have one in Basuma, but it's whether they're ever likely to get attacking returns. And I think Moda has that 
um, has that kind of X factor that means he could really get get forward a lot and could get returns. It is just you know, if he can nail down the starting spot, and one would hope, um, maybe with his assist at the weekend, that he might be more in line for one for one going forward, at least until your boy Tarek Lamptey is back. All right, Andy, we, let's leave it there. And then when we return, we'll be putting on those speedos and swimming against the tide. Welcome to the FPL Lounge. Our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So Swimming Against the Tide is the segment that Andy and I like to do where we see some sort of FPL group think. We're having a look at, uh, at most transferred in this week and uh, and see if we agree with it. And if we don't, we're going to swim against that particular tide. Andy, this is one that I've picked out really this week, but I'm 100% sure that you're going to be on board with. It's Paul Pogba being the most transferred player in in FPL. He's currently nearly got about half a million transfers in this week. Um, for me... This feels like a massive overreaction. Obviously, you got four assists in one game uh, in game week one, but that is pretty unprecedented because he only got three all of last year. And, uh, you know, he's a good player. No one's denying that he's a good player, but he hasn't, in my view, since he was taken off Man United penalties, been much of an FPL asset. And at seven and a half million, there are so many better players to be going for. Well, I think you've made, lo- yeah, there's loads of reasons there why I'd, oh, I'd agree with you. Yeah, obviously, long-time listeners of the FPL Lounge podcast will know that I'm not particularly um, the biggest fan of Pogba in the sense of his consistency. Like you, again, no one's denying when he's on it, he's not a great player because he is, but he's just not on it enough for Man United. You cannot trust his consistency. He's demonstrated on many occasions, um, you know, he's uh, not not getting assists right you got three and like as you say in the entirety of of last season so yeah well i suppose when i say you know three actual assists but all that albeit six like fpl assists because i think he did get some where uh, you know for the ones that get given in fpl where it's like you're the one that was fouled for a penalty or a free kick that then goes in or whatever so three real life assists of six fpl assists but but still you know in the entire for someone who's supposedly a creative midfielder that that's that's not a huge number he did have a couple of seasons for united when he first signed into, into double figures just in terms of assists but yeah even then not not the sort of levels of 20 like you'd see with De Bruyne so I think form and history would tell us that it, you we can't expect consistent assists from Pogba he's not a huge goal scorer either and as you say there's so many other players around his price point who are in line for um, assist returns at that seven and a half million that yeah I'm I feel comfortable swimming swimming against that tide I mean we've highlighted three who are playing up front like Jota Greenwood and and Ferran Torres and and there are you know there are other options in that price point as well so yeah it just feels just feels really weird um you know obviously four assists in one game is is incredibly impressive but for context it's only happened seven other times in the Premier League's history um you know a lot of those players are are, are great players but you know they they probably also got more than six assists the previous the, you know, the season before and that obviously that that number six includes uh includes as you say you know, winning penalties so so yeah for me it feels a massive over overreaction to one you know obviously outstanding week but but yeah he isn't a guy that I'm going to be reaching for and you know what Andy he could get another four assists in the next game and I still wouldn't be reaching for him. Well, wow. I mean, that is something to say in terms of the only other way you can try and analyze the performance is with the underlying numbers, I guess. Right. Because if he was to get four assists this week and his underlying numbers, you know, he gets an expected assists of, of around four. Then, wow, that's another story. But here, just take that Greenwood goal that I eulogized about earlier. Right. Just it, undeniably, it was an outrageous through ball for, from Paul Pogba. So can't take anything away from that. However, Greenwood still has a lot to do to score that goal and that goal only becomes an assist for Pogba because of the brilliance of Greenwood now he will still be playing with Greenwood this week so it's not like that disappears but you can't even you know someone as good as Greenwood you can't expect him to produce 
absolute perfection. As I say, he had to execute many things perfectly for that goal to happen. You can't necessarily expect that on every single occasion. Um, never mind, you know, Bruno's finishes and, and and whatnot that came with. I mean, I mean, even one of them was a goal from Fred. You can't expect. You definitely can't expect that every week. So. Um, yeah, his, his, his expected assists were actually just 0.5. It was a half. So he's expected one half of an assist on average um, in this game. And he ended up with four. So way, way outperforming what the underlying numbers had said. Arguably, United have better than average finishers. But even if you're generous and say that that would be one then in a Man United team, um, it, because that would be them outperforming the average by double, which is, which is extremely generous, then that's still, you know, we're getting four from from what you'd expect to be one is is, is a massive, massive outperformance out of, of the underlying numbers. So, yeah, that doesn't seem sustainable. And um, it, it's, it's a tight, I, I don't know, this segment's usually longer, but it feels like there's no point dragging it out. We, we just, we're, we're happy to swim against that tide. And it's nothing against even necessarily Paul Pogba, the guy, he gets a lot of flack. His, his, his through balls look great when he does them, but he just doesn't do them consistently enough. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think you summed that up pretty nicely. Uh, let's move on to what could end up being, Andy, another another pretty quick segment for us. It's almost like two seasons in, we're, we're getting getting not too bad at this, uh, this old podcast malarkey. Um, but captaincy, again, feels pretty straightforward this week, or I say straightforward. There's always a decision to make, but the decision seems to be exactly the same decision that many managers were caught between last week. And it's sort of Salah versus Bruno, or at least if you do have other Liverpool assets, it's Liverpool assets versus Bruno, perhaps. And uh, and yeah, this to me feels like another one to not get too cute about and stick the armband on one of those. Uh, Salah, and let's mention Mane and Jota in the same, in the same breath, um, are, are at home to Burnley. Bruno and, and Man United, I guess you could put Greenwood in there if you wanted to are away at Southampton. Uh, both teams, you know, are, um, are teams that you would usually target sort of your captains, your, your captains against. So it feels a bit obvious, doesn't it? Well, I mean, frankly, yeah. If if there's people who are new listeners to the FPL Lounge and, you know, they've listened to our game week one and two previews and, and that's it, they're going to think what, what, maybe you're sitting there thinking, what is the point? Why? Why do I listen to this? What? What? What expertise or, or or options am I getting weighed up here when they're telling me your best choice is to captain one of the best players in the game? I think but there's like, long-time listeners that are probably thinking the same as well. Well, true, fair. fair, yeah. But I mean, what are we? What are we supposed to sit here and say? Like everything you said there is true. Like even if it wasn't Liverpool or Man United playing those teams, that that that, that Southampton defensive performance the other day was abysmal. Like you could argue Southampton had the worst defensive performance. Uh, of of almost anyone last week. I mean, obviously, there's other arguments to be made. You know, you know, Newcastle. Um, yeah, Newcastle didn't look great. Um, arguably, Villa didn't look great. Uh, yeah, others at points. But but Southampton, you know, not fan that Leeds obviously had five put past them, and, and Man United, one of the best attacking kind of uh, units last week. So. It just Bruno and Salah have been consistent performers over the course of of multiple seasons, and and they're both playing against against like you know weaker teams, frankly. So look, as we said last week, that there are other. It's not that there aren't other potential options. I mean, you, you know, there's Arsenal and Chelsea playing each other. Arsenal's defense didn't look great last week. West Ham are at home. Maybe you know you'd be interested in Saibin Ramas. Uh, lively performance and, and and any of those players um, could, could end up sort of doing all right. You know, Le- Leeds' defence got pulled apart a bit. Mike Calvert-Lewin n- nick a goal. Obviously, we'll probably come on to City, City playing playing Norwich at home as well. But just percentages, it, as as I say, all all you can do is make your decision at this point. And when you look at like the probabilities of, of who who is most likely, which individual players are most likely to score this this week, well. It's it's kind of Bruno and Salah, or like you say, maybe maybe Jota if if you've got him too. So don't don't overthink it. And if it doesn't go wrong, like you can't beat. I just don't think you can beat yourself up with a choice like that, can you? Because it's it's the it's the highest probability pick. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe let's uh, maybe let's try and be 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 useful to to our listeners and try and separate them. Perhaps. I mean, I think uh, I think I'm pretty set. And again, we don't really do team reveals on the FPL Land podcast, but I might as well be honest about it at this stage. I think I'm pretty set on going Salah again. I went for him last week. I think it's difficult to um, to predict the Bruno Fernandez hat trick, where it's it's less difficult to predict Salah scoring once and assisting twice. And I can see him doing doing that again against the Burnley side, who yes, you know they are known to have an okay defence, but do have. Uh, you know, they, but Burnley's defence does well against the lesser teams and can absolutely fall apart against the better ones. Um, so I can absolutely, absolutely see Mosal having a having a bit of a field day. I think the fact that they're at home, Anfield's going to have fans in there again. You know, it could it could have a bit of an impact. I do think something like that is fairly intangible. But 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 yeah, I'm I'm going to end up going w- with Salah again. You told me, Andy, that you're inclined to go for Bruno just because of what you saw on the eye. I wonder if maybe you could explain to the listener what tactically you saw from Bruno and I guess Greenwood playing together that makes you think that Bruno isn't just an attack, a number 10 creator, or at least he wasn't against Leeds and maybe could end up getting more goals if United employed the same tactic. Well, it was it was because that because uh, Greenwood, as we said, Greenwood traditionally ha- when hasn't played that much as a nine. When he was playing as a nine this week, he was cleverly uh, drifting into lots of different positions and pulling defenders. You know, lead to have this very sort of man marking system. So he was pulling defenders out of the out of the way. And what we used to see from Bruno is he'd drop off to the left or he'd dip back into the space a little bit in midfield and create from a little bit deeper. But what was happening here was because Green was was creating so much space. Bruno wasn't hanging about and 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 sticking to the, what he usually do. He was making sure he was bombing on through past Greenwood, and that's why he was getting those three goals pretty much every time. He was the fir- when he scored, he was the furthest forward United player, and that's why he was in that position. So if he if this is how United are going to play with until Cavani comes back with with Greenwood sometimes being the man through the middle, but at other points exploiting the space that's around that means that Bruno is going to take up a proper kind of number 10, like a Frank Lampard style arriving late in the box. Then that really does increase his, his goal threat from open play. Never mind the fact he's obviously on pens as well. Of course. I kind of like, I kind of like the fact that I don't, I'm not sure if it's likes the right word, but I like, you know, Bruno has kind of got his own, uh, he's got his own brand name similar to our prime minister now. Obviously like, you know, Bruno deserves his, whereas our prime minister does not. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that in the, in, in, in the long term. Just a, little, just, just a little observational nugget for you, for you there, Andy. And I'll, uh, I'll let you just sit on that, dwell on that for, for you know, for all weekend if you, if you wish. Um, I guess we better mention city assets, Andy, because, you know, usually Man City assets that you own, uh, home to Norwich would feel like the other no-brainer, but only Jack Grealish and Ruben Diaz have a more than 11% ownership. So if you go for a City asset that isn't one of those two, it's a real, real differential this week. But against the Norwich side, who considered three last weekend, obviously they've got a difficult start um, playing Liverpool and City in back-to-back weeks. Um, there could be a field day. We've already mentioned Ferran Torres, but Riyad Mahrez, I guess Raheem Sterling, if you own him, although I'm sure there aren't many people that do at his price. Um, you know, any of them could uh, could really light things up, couldn't they, this week? I think they really could. And actually, despite everything we've just said about it being no-brain between Bruno and Salah, I do think there is a strong argument for Man City players. Obviously, the caveats are you can never be 100% sure who's going to start for City. De Bruyne's presence really detracts away from some of the other other assets because obviously he's the main man and, and one of their key creators when he is on the pitch. So if he starts, which sounds like it might be possible because he was well enough to come off the bench on, on Sunday and looked really threatening when he when he did. So you'd think Pep would be wanting to start him if he can. And maybe 60 minutes and then coming off against Norwich is is the perfect opportunity for him to do that. Um, so so perhaps that's a caveat to some of the others if you if you weren't thinking De Bruyne as, as the one that you'd captain. Um, and I suppose another small caveat just in the sense that they looked a bit disjointed generally, City, on, on, on Sunday. But, you know, they've done this plenty of times last season. They went into um, a run at Christmas last year, didn't they, when, when they started turning it around, where they had been looking a little bit disjointed. And then they went and uh, they had like lots of these types of like the Burnleys and the West Broms and stuff at home and beat them, uh, you know, 5-0 here, 4-0 there, whatever. So although actually that West Brom game was 1-1, so maybe maybe a bad example. But, but you know, they had lots of... Um, 
performances last season where they had like those multiple goal victories at home against kind of the lesser teams. So you could definitely see them sticking Norwich for five, no no doubt. And then, you know, someone like Amares, he was getting tipped up. A lot of people kind of uh, has, having them in there, or at least on FPL Twitter, having him in their teams um, for this first, for the first game week, even against Tottenham away. So, you you, you know, if, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't be rushing to kind of go grab a City asset, despite the fact that I'm concerned that one of them going big could affect my rank this week. I wouldn't probably be going out necessarily to to change my team structure to get one, given the other fixtures and everything else that, all the, that are going on. However, if I did have one, you know, if you've got a Grealish or a Mares, they're very likely to start. And you can see them putting Norwich to the sword very much, can't you? So, yeah, there is a bit more of a, of a of a way up there if you've got a City player to consider, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel like a bit of a differential option. And, and yeah, you know, we've said this before, but, you know, Ruben Diaz potentially keeping a clean sheet against Norwich feels almost as nailed on as perhaps one of Bruner's or, or, or Salah returning. So, you know, obviously, you, 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 there's less chance of a, of a double-digit return. But if you want to play it really safe, then, then yeah, Diaz isn't perhaps the, the, the worst shout in the world. I think I'd just temper that. You know, I wouldn't normally be tipping something like that up. But I think the fact that he has, I think, the highest ownership of any City player means that you know more, you know, more of you are likely to have him. So I don't think it's the worst call in the world. But yeah, I've already said, um, not overthinking it this week. My armband is, is almost certainly going going on Mo Salah. Uh, let's leave captaincy there, Andy, and move on then to who the heck is that? Who the heck is that? It's a little game. Andy and I like to play at the end of our preview shows where we take it in turns to pick an FPL player from the universe. They have to be owned by at least 5% of FPL managers. And we have five guesses to guess who they are. Uh, if we get it after the first clue, we get five points. After the second clue, four points, and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a new clue, we get the opportunity to stick or twist with our previous guess. And that means we don't reveal the answer until the end. And we also have a two-minute time limit every time we get a clue. Uh, I got two points last week. I got it on the fourth clue. Uh, so this time it's me picking for Andy. Andy, how are you feeling? Do you reckon you've got the dust of the cobwebs away after after off-season? Are you, are you ready to go? Ready to retain your crown, your, your title defence, your who the heck is that defence? Well, I back myself generally over the course of the season. I wouldn't say I'm feeling that great in terms of this particular instance, just because, you know, those game weeks last year when we hadn't really been looking um, at our transfers as much and it kind of went a bit, you know, we struggled. And though, and, and conversely, on the other you know side of the coin, when we had been looking a lot, it was one week when we, when we tended to kind of do better. And yeah, what with that stability, I suppose, in our teams that we talked about before, I haven't really been looking so closely at transfers and, and at particular players this week, albeit I guess I looked at quite a few kind of kind of last week in, in preparation for the, for the for the game week one. So, yeah, I, I don't necessarily feel completely up to speed with, with, with all the players. And also, I've never tried this uh, this two minute thing before. It's my first time doing that. And, and as I said last week, I'm, I'm, I don't that that could be a game changer this season. I think you're you're better at kind of just being decisive and going, well, this is what, you know, and you did that well last week when you had to kind of just move on from something. Whereas I'm much more dithery or dithery is the wrong word, but like, I like to consider all my options and like read all the data and all of the, all of the like nitty gritty details of, of what's going on before I make my call. So, yeah. Yeah, I do think. Um, yeah, I did. I did get did get a comment from from a listener that said uh, the new rules are more likely to favour me. So um, yeah, whether that says more about oh, really? me, whether that says more about me or you, I don't know. But um, but yeah, I think that that was that was a piece of early feedback. But yeah, ultimately, do let us know how uh, how you think uh, this this adapted who the heck is that is going always uh, at FPL underscore lounge on both Twitter and Instagram. But let's uh, let's let's give it a start, Andy. Um, I will start with clue one. It is this player's seventh FPL season, registering his best ever FPL score last season. Who the heck is Stat? Uh, it's a little bit annoying because that was the same clue as first clue as last week, I think. Um, so I doubt it's Kelechi Iheanacho. Uh, but who else has had seven seasons? Was there other people I was looking at? And they might have had the best. So maybe James Ward-Prowse. He... Uh, seven. Seven might be too many. Have Southampton been back in the league seven years? Maybe. Um, but And obviously, got to got to be quick here. Um, so 
who else could be seven and would have had their best return last year? So I suppose it's the same situation where they've had six. So this is their seventh, right? And yeah. Um, so it could, could be forward prowess because that would mean he's had six to this point. Yeah. Look, um, I don't think in the time I'm, I'm going to think of a, of a better option. So let's just stick with James Ward Prowse. Move on. Interesting. Love it. Okay, great stuff. Uh, let's go clue two then. This player's highest ever FPL score last season was in part down to an increase in his goal return, scoring more than he had ever before in a single season. But it was also the first time this player has played over 3,000 minutes. Who the heck is stat? Hmm. Now that doesn't give me anything to come off of James Ward-Prowse. In fact, that only gives me reason to stay on him. He definitely had an increased goal return last season, I'm sure. Uh, what with his free kick um, th- uh, thing that we that we mentioned a lot. He has had injuries in the past. So that would lead me to believe that possibly he, he last season could have been his, his, his first time over 3,000 minutes as well. I mean, obviously, there's loads of other players this could this could be. So I guess let's try and use a bit of my time to think of any other like options. Who else would have had their best scoring season last year uh, and seven years in the league? I suppose could Grealish have had as many as seven, probably six before. That feels like a lot. Um, I suppose it could be someone who's 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 kind of barely played. I remember when I was looking, there was the odd person who who who'd, who'd appeared in the game, you know, but not really played that many minutes, like a Bamford style, you know, had been at Chelsea, was was announced as a part of the game, but didn't really get any minutes at, at points. Um, I, th- I think I'm going to, ha- again, I, I could cut, try and think of other options here, but given that, that the whole of that clue could apply to James Ward-Prowse, I think I've just got to stick with it. Makes sense. Okay, no worries. Uh, clue three then. Uh, this is this player's Highest ever starting price in FPL this season, but he has not yet had a price rise. Who the heck is that? Uh, this is where this is really difficult because that could also, I don't know for definite, I don't actually know what James Ward-Prowse has started this season at. I think we 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 very briefly discussed it in one of the long weekend season previews and he is definitely more than last season, whether he's more than he's ever been. I'm not sure, but you've got to think he must be because he can't have been much really at previous points. <sighs> Would he have, I think it's reasonable to think he's had he's had at least six, yeah, and then and then this being his seventh, that's definitely possible. Um, and what was the what was the other? It was. It was his highest ever starting price this season, but he's not yet had a no, price. No, he's not rise. had a price rise. Yeah, and so he won't have done yet. Oh. I feel like I should use the time to. Uh, it's it's so difficult this because I think again that 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 both those things will apply to him. I imagine so. Um, obviously, I don't know about the seasons thing. That's that's a slight unknown here, but I think I'm just gonna have to stick. Okay, okay, right. Clue four then. You're making this podcast very short. This is this is great stuff. Uh, this player recorded a double-digit haul in game week one despite not collecting maximum bonus points, who the heck is stat? A double-digit haul in game week one, despite not getting maximum bonus points. Yeah, this player, despite getting ending up with double digits, did not get three bonus points. Right. So it's, that's not Ward-Prowse then. I'm trying to think of players. There was actually a few this week that got double digits. I know Antonio did, but I think he got the three bonus. Um... Uh, did he get three bonus? Despite the fact he missed a penalty, I think he did because I think he went up from 10 to 13 after the bonus. So um, obviously there's Pogba. He got four assists, got a double digit haul. Didn't get the three bonus because Bruno did. Uh, Would it be his seventh this year? Yes, that's possible, but it won't be his highest starting price. So it can't be him. Bloody hell, who else has had a double-digit haul this week? Uh, Son, and it's his highest ever starting price. Probably had his most goals last season. Um, what are some of those other? What were some of those other clues again? It was highest price he's ever been. Seventh season, best ever score last year. Um, increases goal return last year. 
first time we played over 3,000 minutes, highs ever price, starting price, not had a price rise, and double-digit haul in game week one, but didn't get a maximum bonus. Not, don't know about the bonus situation. 30 seconds left. Don't know about the bonus situation for Son. Think he did get a double-digit I think he got 10 or maybe 11 points. Don't know exactly what the bonus thing was, though. Um, but, however, it seems to tick all those other ones. And I know it's not James Ward-Prowse now, and I don't have long, so I think I'm going to have to just twist to Son. Okay, Koki. And then clue five. This player is comfortably the highest-owned player from his team. Who the heck is that? Oof. That's not a particularly easy clue five. Usually they're a bit of a gimme, aren't they? So that <clears throat> let's try and think who could be higher owned. Um, he, I'd imagine he's surely got to be, although his price has put a lot of people off. Um, Larice, would he have got a few, but surely not can't have as many as Son. I mean, there are other people, I'm sure, who got double-digit hauls last week and other people who would have had seven seasons in the league. So this really isn't obvious by any stretch at this stage. Um, but I I imagine Son probably is the highest owned and he seemed to tick a lot of those other things. I'm just trying to think of anyone else through their team who would be... I said Loris. Mm. Dyer was 4.5, wasn't he? I saw a few teams with Dyer in because of because of his price, but surely Dyer can't be owned by more than than Son. Um, I think I think there's real danger here of not of not getting it right at all. I think they could, like I said, there could be plenty of others with double digits and who've had seven seasons and double digit score last week, uh, but I. I haven't got enough info to change there. I think he probably is the highest owned, so I'm going to have to stick with Som. Are you sure you got 30 seconds? Yeah, I'll just go around the houses. Otherwise, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Som. Two points for you, Mr. Case, this week. It is it is Sonny. Two points, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Two points for you. Um, yeah. So James Ward Prowse not owned by five percent of managers. Is he not? He's not. Uh. Um, I mean, I had to look that up, but yeah. I mean, otherwise, I think. I mean, he's played more than seven seasons, but, you know, it's hard to guess that, isn't it? But, but yeah, otherwise, I'm sure a lot of the first two clues would have been, um, well, the first three clues probably would have been relevant to him. But, yeah, as soon as you're on Son, it was Hugo Lloris that got maximum bonus for Tottenham last week, despite Tot- despite Son scoring. So, yeah, obviously, he got he got a goal, um, a goal, two bonus, which would take him up to seven. Uh, I'm not really sure how his how his ten came about, but yeah, he ended up he ended up with ten points. I guess he got two for two for starting in a clean sheet. So that would have been eight plus his two bonus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and and yeah, he's owned by 23% of managers or n- nearly 23% of managers. Harry Kane be, uh, is is next with just over 10%. Um, obviously, there's a lot of question marks over his future. Hence, hence, you know, not not very many ownership. So yeah, he's got double the next best owned player at Spurs. Um, Great, great returns last year, and and yeah, it, ten million is his highest ever starting price. So, so yeah, you got yeah. there in the end. But yeah, oh, I just, think um, if you'd have been on the Prowse train, I think for much longer, I guess it would have got uh, yeah, could have could have got a bit bad for you. But but yeah, that was definitely a clue. Clue four was obviously clearly not him. So, well, as as we've said many a time with with this sort of game and this this particular format, that that when that none of those things i mean i'm just looking at it now so yeah it is over seven seasons in the end but that that oh like you said that's hard to know the specific number he did get his highest goal return last season it was only his second year over 3000 um he'd only had one other season over 3000 um james ward prowse it was his it, it was his highest ever starting price this year so yeah he was he's ticking a lot of a lot of those um those first clues and and that made it difficult for me. i i i didn't feel like I could I could move off because because I thought he might well have been been taking a load of those so no but yeah like you say I guess the point of this is that eventually you get to one where I suppose it it, it can't be and that was that was for him was the double digit haul in that game we won so look I'm 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 glad that I've I've equalised you but um I think as as you could hear probably from what I was saying I think there was real danger there I think there could have been a lot of because there was a lot of people with double digit scores last week yeah and that that final clue about him being highest owned. There, there could have been multiple people filling filling that 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 um those things yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and I guess uh 
But yeah, you know, I'm not sure how you felt about I felt about being against the clock, but you only went close to two minutes once. So yeah, I think you were. I think I only said thirty seconds once throughout the five clues. So so yeah, you have you have plenty more time, but I guess it, it does kind of increase that jeopardy a little bit. Well, regardless, uh, let us know how you get you are at home or listening wherever you listen to your podcast are getting on playing. Who the heck is that this season? Obviously, it's two all between between Andy and I. But if you manage to get three or maybe four points uh, in, in one of the two weeks, then then do let us know. Andy, how can any listeners do that? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And, and as you alluded earlier, Chris, we have had a little bit of feedback on who the heck is that specifically and the podcast generally on Twitter and Instagram the last week or so. So that, that's really great to hear. We really appreciate it. Um, it, it makes a big difference to us in the way we kind of adapt the, the podcast going forward um, and, and also just makes us feel nice when we when we hear nice things said about us, doesn't it? But yeah, no, interestingly on the game though, we did, we did we have had people ha- have told us on, on those social media platforms that they, they're liking the, the whole two minute thing. So that's good. And, and, and if you haven't told us yet, we, we'd be keen to hear because if, if you think it's not working, then, then you know, we can we can try mixing it up again. Do let us know. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and as Andy says, it's just nice to it's just nice to hear nice things about you. But obviously, if you don't like it, then just don't say anything. And uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, when, when me and Andy don't have very nice things to say about each other, each other, we just don't say them, do we, Andy? Well, that's probably not true, is it? We we definitely do say them to each other. Not at all. I mean, uh, so uh, Andy, I don't normally ask you this question, but plans for game week two? You got you're going to be watching watching a lot of football this weekend. Well, I watched a fair bit last weekend, but I'm actually at a wedding this weekend. Ah. So, yeah, probably won't be able to get to watch as much of it. I mean, um, obviously United play Sunday, so maybe I might be able to watch that, but I could well be travelling back at that point. But, I mean, hopefully I'll at least be back for the for the big Arsenal-Chelsea game. Absolutely, so, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving house again, so it's going to be a lack of football for me this weekend, but I'm going to try and try and have the radio on at some point. And, uh, and yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do, but plenty of matches of the day as, as Andy uh, was talking about talking about last week uh, do also remember to rate review and uh, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from all of that all of those metrics always help us uh, but yeah plenty of uh, plenty of game week uh, two action to come and we will we'll be back to review game week two I think there is a Monday night football isn't there Andy this week so I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure when we'll be recording that but whether whether we'll end up having that out um, taking into account the Monday night football or not Remains to be seen, probably all down to my uh, down to my house move. But Andy, until we speak again, thanks for joining us on the FPL Lounge. <laughs>